You're listening to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast, a comfy, cozy place for private practice introverts, highly sensitive therapists, and solopreneurs who help and heal. This is the place for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. there, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Cindy. Here in episode 46, I'm going to continue my conversation with Kate Murphy about self-care, scheduling, and boundaries with chronic illness. Kate and I began our conversation in episode 45, so be sure to go back and listen to that episode before you dig into this one. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm back here again with Kate Murphy, and we are continuing our conversation from last week about going into private practice with a chronic illness, and we're going to get into some more of the details and helpful information in considerations around self-care and scheduling and boundaries when you're a private practice therapist. Yeah, so much to dive into here. Um, and the more I kind of thought about all of this, Cindy, I was like, how much of this comes back to self-care, right? It feels like all of it comes back to self-care. And that is such an overused word. And, you know, it feels like it's all anyone talks about anymore. Um, but it really is so important to care for yourself when you have a chronic illness and you're going to set up your own business. So, yeah, we can talk about a bunch of different ways that people can do that. Awesome. Yeah. With self-care. Yeah. That's all you hear. And I think we hear about it so much because it's maybe because we got so far away from it and neglected ourselves for so long. We have to really talk about it a lot in order to get back in balance to where we really are taking care of ourselves. Yeah, I think we have. And, you know, for people with chronic illness, you know, there's like this really, um, sweet spot, like this recipe that we have to make sure we have all these different things to really thrive or, you know, hopefully thrive, or maybe to just get through the day sometimes. Um, but taking into consideration what all of those things will look like when you have your own practice and you're a business owner, um, there are so many responsibilities and so many decisions. And so, how can you make that work for you and your capacity and any limits that you have because of your illness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the things that you've thought about? Cause I know that you're opening up your practice next summer and I know that you've probably put a lot of thought into how that's going to work and what your schedule is going to look like and how you're going to work with clients. So uh, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about what some of your thought process was and what you've maybe landed, landed on or things that you're still considering. Yeah. So this is going to sound, you know, I don't know how it's going to sound, but the first thing I'm thinking of when I'm thinking of opening up my private practice is like burnout, right? Like I mm-hmm. go right to the, the yeah. end game scenario and I'm like, all right, how am I going to stop this? Um, Cause I recognize that I'm going to be more prone to burnout having chronic illnesses. Um, it's just the reality. So I think that if I plan for that, right, I'll be more able to handle the bumps in the road as they come up. Um, so you know, in private practice, I know this community talks about this a lot. It can be really isolating. Um, and so can living with chronic illness, especially since we kind of talked about a little bit in the last episode, most chronic illnesses or many of them anyway, are invisible. And so, you know, having people around you that know what you're going through and creating a support system of other therapists to connect with on a regular basis, whether that's 
um, peer supervision or, you know, continuing with supervision, even after you, you know, no longer need it for licensure purposes, but just having someone to connect to who understands um, your work and understands your personal situation can hopefully help with some of that isolation and loneliness when it comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know in the last episode, so I want you to mention it again, the Facebook group for therapists, just in case uh, someone's just now tuning in. Cause I think that's going to be a really great resource. Yeah. Um, so that Facebook group is called therapists thriving with chronic pain and illness. I think there's about five or 600 members in it now. Um, I don't think it's too old, but yeah, people are getting added all the time. Um, it's definitely a, a nice place to just feel like there are other therapists out there who get it, you know, having so many, just living in the society we live in. So productivity focused, seeing all these therapists and in the main Facebook groups who are seeing, you know, 40 clients a week. And, you know, sometimes with chronic illness, I'm just scrolling through my feed, looking at that, like, you know, the, all these thoughts can come up like, oh my gosh, can I ever, you know, am I going to make it doing this? Is, is that what I have to do to make it? Because if it is, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, so just having a community where there are other people who get it and are in similar circumstances to you and seeing what they're doing and what works for them and what hasn't worked for them can be really helpful. Yeah. I think the community aspect is so, so important because something very similarly is when I started my practice and was seeing, you know, that people were seeing 30 plus clients a week. I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm not cut out for this. But once, you know, delving into it a little bit more and finding the highly sensitive therapist Facebook group, it was so helpful and so validating in that, oh, okay. So there are other people like me that can really maybe manage seeing eight to 10 clients a week, you know, and it, it was really like, oh yeah, I, I can do this. It, I don't, my practice doesn't have to look like everyone else's. So I think finding those communities of people like you going through the same things, because I believe that, you know, you can make private practice work because it can be so flexible and you can design it really any way that you want to. Absolutely. Um, and I love that you mentioned that too, because as, as a person with chronic illness and a highly sensitive person, it's like seeing what other folks are doing sometimes is so overwhelming and just reminding myself that, you know, there's no reason that I have to do it that way. Um, so really spending time, um, reflecting on what would work for me. Um, and yeah, a lot of that comes back to scheduling, like, you know, the things that people with chronic illness going into private practice need to think about are the same things everyone else going into private practice needs to think about, right? There's just kind of that extra consideration. Um, so for me, you know, I know that my illnesses are really unpredictable and, you know, sometimes I'm feeling great and sometimes I'm feeling horrible and anywhere in between. So setting up a schedule that is not going to be too taxing in the times when I'm feeling horrible, mm-hmm. um, so that there's not too much, alterations that need to be made, you know, all of a sudden and, and taking away from that stability for clients. So, yeah, I mean, my plan is to work three and a half days a week. I kind of thought about, you know, where do I need that day off in in the middle of the week or, you know, how can I work that in so that I can make sure um, that I can get all the rest I need, that I have time to go to doctor's appointments, um, take care of myself and so forth. 
was really helpful. Um, and then vacations too, you know, like mm-hmm. sometimes those vacations that I'm planning on taking are going to be staycations, you know, they're going to be me sitting on my couch, just vegging for a week at a time and just kind of recollecting myself after not feeling well for a while. So trying to work those things in, um, and being extra thoughtful about, you know, reflecting on the course of your disease and how things normally go for you. Like if there's a time of year that, you know, is really hard for you consistently for one reason or another, taking that into consideration, you know, throwing extra vacation time during that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really great tip and thinking about, I think for me, having a spacious schedule to where it's not one appointment after the other has been really helpful because a lot of times I can do a session with a migraine, but I can't do three sessions in a row with a migraine. So being able to have some time and spaciousness in your schedule can be really helpful. And I know there are some times that, you know, no matter, um, you know, there may be some migraines that I have where I, yeah, it's like, I can't do anything, but for the majority of them, it's like, yeah, I can get through a session. I can be present. But then after that, I do need to go relax and not have another session right after that. Yeah. I totally feel that. Yeah. Getting through one session in the migraine, usually doable three in a (laughs) row, not going to happen. So yeah, breaks between clients. Um, when I first was like, you know, just on like a note in my iPhone, like making up my envisioned private practice schedule. I was thinking about, you know, how much time should I have in between clients? And, you know, with the clients that I see right now, it's really variable. Mm-hmm. Um, and just thinking about that, most people don't put a whole lot of time in between client sessions. You know, they want to go into work and then leave work as soon as they can. Um, but yeah, similar to you, I think for me, it's going to be best to have a little downtime, a little breathing time in between. Um, so that those days when I do have a migraine and I'm going to work anyways and doing my best, I can throw an ice pack on my face in between. I can rest, breathe, um, and take care of myself and my clients. Yeah. I'm one of those people who schedules a lot of time in between sessions and yeah, it's usually 30 minutes to an hour. Like it's a minimum of 30 minutes. And I started that from the time I began my private practice because I knew that I needed that. And um, yeah, a lot of times it it's an hour and that feels really good because you can have that time to self-care and do what you need to before the next session. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Good for you. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great setup. Um, the one of the other things too is like, how much are you doing in your business in addition to seeing clients? And can you really do that much? And so thinking, I know for me, thinking about what I want to delegate and outsource versus what I want to do myself, um, there are things that I really enjoy, like web design and um you know, my scheduling and all of that, I, I know I can handle that on my own other things. Um, not, not going to happen, right? Like the billing, all of that. So thinking about, do I need a virtual assistant? Do I need a receptionist or a biller or some other kind of support? Um, and then getting what you need. And it, it does come back to, to like setting your fee, which is a decision everyone needs to make when they go into private practice. And, um, you know, for chronic illness folks, we want to 
give all of ourselves we can to our clients and to be able to do that and really be present, especially if you're already feeling really bad in your session, if you have a migraine or pain or other symptoms, you know, having all that extra stuff to worry about isn't going to help. So taking that into consideration when you set your fee, making sure that with the number of patients or clients that you can see a week um, and the supports that you're going to need to make that sustainable, um, just taking all of that into consideration when you set things up. Yeah. Yeah. I think the sustainability is a big piece because, um, yeah, you may be able to get away with a lower rate for a little while, but, um, especially if you have a chronic illness and maybe, you know, might have to move around your schedule or you might not be able to see as many clients, uh, it's not going to be sustainable for very long unless you're independently wealthy. But if you're going into private practice and you need to pay your bills, you need to put money for retirement, um, thinking ahead in that and setting yourself up for success. And for most people, that is going to mean a higher or more premium rate. Yeah. Yeah. And that was something, you know, as a social worker and really valuing accessibility and social justice. That was something that, you know, I, I really had to think about. And sometimes, you know, if, if the alternative is, so if my two options are, I I see folks and I have a higher fee and I can really help some people and make a difference in their Mm -hmm. lives, or I can't see anyone at all. Right. Because I just can't, I can't have this practice and have it Mm -hmm. be supported or sustainable you know, then, then there's really only one choice there and just accepting that, you know, you can't control your chronic illnesses. And, Mm -hmm. you know, these are factors that are, you know, sure. If we had the option, we would do have no chronic illness and, you know, maybe do things differently, maybe not, but, um, just accepting things as they are and building your practice around that, because there's no use in pretending it's any other way than it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about, um, yeah, we've talked a little bit about self-care scheduling, um, any other type of, you know, setting up boundaries around your time or maybe what that, what that looks like or things to consider in that regard. Yeah. Um, one of the things I thought a lot about, and you know, this is like the, I don't know, this might be like the most talked about topic in therapist Facebook groups is cancellation policies, right? Yeah. Um, so just thinking about that and, you know, I've read all the million different ways that people do it, um, on social media and seeing what other therapists are doing and just thinking about that for myself, you know, deciding what I feel comfortable with in terms of knowing that I have a chronic illness and I'm sometimes going to have to cancel on clients, maybe a little more often than a therapist without a chronic illness would, um, setting up a late cancel no show policy that I'm going to feel comfortable and fair enforcing, knowing that I will also have similar problems. Um, so that's something to think about too. You know, these are all decisions that every therapist has to make, but just, again, that chronic illness piece kind of made me stop and question there. Like, okay, I think I need to think about this, you know, really carefully and, and see what I feel comfortable with asking of my clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the great thing about private practice is that you get to set all of your policies and you can change them whenever you need to and adapt them uh, in a way that's going to best serve you and your clients. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I have a plan and I'm going to go in with it and then we'll see how it goes. Right. And the mm-hmm. best part about that is, you know, I'm going to be the boss. So if I, if I don't think it's going well, 
then it can change the next day. Um, and that's just a really nice freedom and peace of mind in general to be able to have that peace of mind as a person with a chronic illness that, you know, you want to show up for your clients as reliably and supportively as possible. And sometimes you won't be able to, and that's okay because you can keep things flexible and, you know, you get to be the decision maker. And as much as that carries a lot of weight and stress at times, um, it can also really bring some ease and comfort to folks with chronic illness, because it's just any amount of things that you can get in under your control, um, related to work, just offsets all those things that you can't control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anything else you can think of related to just the practical considerations for whenever you're uh, running a private practice with a chronic illness? Yeah. You know, one more thought that I'm having is like, I still need to decide what chair I'm going to get. Yeah. <laughs> Something therapists talk about you. They're like, what do you sit in? What, what do you sit in? Um, so yeah, you know, I've, I've read like a ton of therapists swear by, um, those stressless shares mm -hmm. and yeah, you know, we'll see, I might go sit in one, but yeah, that's been weighing on my mind. Cause I'm like, if I'm going to be sitting across from clients for however many hours a week, man, I need to have a chair that's really comfortable and is, is going to feel good to my body. So yeah. What do you sit in Cindy? Um, it's, it's like a padded, it's like a white fake leather padded office chair type thing. It's pretty comfortable, uh, but I don't have, um, I guess I don't have any back issues, knock on wood yet. Um, so I don't usually have trouble sitting or chairs usually aren't that uncomfortable to me. So it really was, I feel like it was maybe, I don't know, it was under $200 and it served me pretty well. Uh, but I know that a lot of people do, but I don't want to say splurge because I don't think it's a splurge when you're doing something that's really healthy for you and something that's going to, to last for many, many years. And it's something that you use for the better part of your day every day. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have heard really good things about the stressless chairs and yeah, I think being able to find something that's really comfortable and not feel guilty about spending quite a bit of money on a chair that you're going to be spending, you know, most of your life in as a therapist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really. It's like buying a bed, right. When you're a therapist mm -hmm. buying a chair is, you know, you're going to be spending a really good portion of your week on that thing. So getting one that's going to be supportive, um, and, and though just your whole office setup, you know, putting some thought into that, I think for all of us who have been working from home for a good portion of this last year and a half have really learned like how important it is that, you know, maybe for you, your keyboard needs to be here and your mask needs to be here and your chair and your desk need to be like this. So yeah, always taking that into consideration too, because if your office setup is going to contribute to whatever problems you're already combating, then again, you know, it's not going to be sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And we do have so much flexibility as therapists, like decorating our offices and even more with our home office, because it's just right there in our home and we can be really flexible with it. And I remember when the pandemic first started, I was really upset. I did not want to move to telehealth. I had never done any telehealth session because I really loved meeting with people in person. But once I got adjusted to it and it did take me a while, I mean, I still do miss meeting with people in person, but there's been so many benefits of of 
having my home office and even thinking about with migraines, I just can't do fluorescent lights. And there's a lot of things with, with lights and temperature. And there's so many, and as a highly sensitive person, just so many subtleties in the environment. And you have so much control over that when you're, when you have your own office, and especially when you have your own office in your own home. Yes. Yes. With all those things. Yes. You know, being a highly sensitive person, I've never liked fluorescent lights. Right. I'm like, oh, this is so off putting. Um, but yeah, with the migraine piece, you know, lights, sounds, smells, um, all under your control. So taking the time to, you know, make it a place that you're happy to be at work and whether that's a home office or a space that you're in person with clients, um, doing what works for you. And I guess that's maybe one last thing that, is the pandemic has really changed for therapists going into private practice and that maybe therapists with chronic illness are considering a little differently is, you know, do I want to have my practice be all telehealth or hybrid or in person? Um, because there are benefits and drawbacks to that too, right? Um, being in front of the computer all day, you know, maybe that mm-hmm. exacerbates your condition or maybe being at home will give you even more, you know, freedom and this peace of mind to know that you can manage your conditions more flexibly if, if you can do that more easily from home. So yeah, a lot of things to think about and it's going to be unique for every person what's best for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think based on what we've talked about over the last two episodes, it really is encouraging for um, therapists that have chronic illnesses to go into private practice that it can, you can really have um, a practice that works with you and your needs. Absolutely. I sure hope so. Cause that's my plan. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your time and expertise on this topic. I'm really um, excited for, for people to, to hear this and, you know, get the encouragement that they need and the support that they need to have the private practice that they really want. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's all up to us. We get to be the decision makers. So um, I hope anyone listening to this has, you know, maybe gotten some good ideas or seen maybe how private practice could pan out for them and, and the things that they struggle with every day. And so if it can make anyone's life easier, um, then I hope it does. And I wish everyone the best of luck if they're going into private practice. Yeah. Awesome. And I'll be, uh, when Kate gets her practice open, I'll be sharing the contact information in the show notes. So come back and check that out. Awesome. Thanks, Cindy. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. For episode 47, I'm going to talk about why losing followers and subscribers is good for your business. If you haven't yet listened to episode 45, I urge you to do that. In that episode, I began my conversation with Kate on the topic of chronic illness and private practice. I'm truly grateful that you choose to join me here for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. For more inspiration and to see what I'm up to, join me over on Instagram at Mountain Practice Journeys. If you're enjoying yourself here, please head over to Apple Podcast and hit those five stars and I'll be over the moon. And if you'd like to work with me, join me in Forest Mind, my cozy small group mastermind for private practice introverts, highly sensitive therapists, and solopreneurs who help and heal. May the forest be with you.